Hi, good night, and welcome to tonight's talk. My name is Jason Clark, and tonight I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Hassani Evening and Mr. Akin. And tonight we are also joined by a very special guest. We're short-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are joined by a very special guest tonight, uh, the manage, manager of the sorry, the marketing manager of the uh, Barbados Cricket Association. Miss and someone who is not straight to the show, he's always um uh, tuning in and, and, and adding his his um his opinions his two cents, Mr. Stephen Leslie. Good evening, fellas. How are everybody? Good evening, Stephen. Good, good, good. Well, good. Well, well, well. Nice, well, nice. How, how is it how, how is it going on your end? Well, you know that we had the T20s and any test match, so that was a busy, busy period. Okay. So the last week or so was a little bit of a break, but now we're getting ready for the domestic season. So I'm still at the office now, and it's that type of time where we're trying to pull everything together because we know that COVID would have affected us for a long period. So everything is is pretty good from my end. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. And how, how, how are the guys in the Royal? How are you? I ain't even want to talk with the Lakers. I ain't going there. So thank I, you, thank you. How how how, how are going otherwise in the Royal? How how are things, man? Um, everything's blessed, man. Wrapping up some training sessions, some practice games, getting ready for the season. You know, okay. I got much time left. You know, so just getting you know, when, when, making when every sister, moment count. Hey, sister, twenty-third. Supposed to be twenty-third. Twenty-third. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh so wait, wait. Any any major goals for this season from you? Uh, we'll get to that later. We we'll get to that later. Okay. Get to that later. Okay. Another show. Okay. Another show. Okay. No problem. Mm. Mr. Evening, how, how, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I'm thankful. Another day, Lani living. Just thankful. Man. Okay. Okay. Well, just looking nice. forward to summer. Well, we started NFL. Eh? I had it done with basketball since I was sorry, but I had it done. You right there was on the wall. Access mm-hmm. United in shambles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things just ain't right for you. Well, well yeah, it's just yeah. Mm, okay. Stephen, you are you a basketball fan? Funny enough, only in the days when I had the Michael Jordan and Jordan. So you're talking over twenty odd years. But I, I will watch NBA just to relax. Okay. Realize that LeBron is had an injury recently, so and the Lakers struggling, but. I'll say that I would watch it just to relax. Okay, okay. Understood, understood. Um, Stephen, like I said, you are the manager of the marketing and communications of the Barbados Cricket Association. But um, you know, I, I like to you know get back to the to the to the root of how it all began. So, um, you know, it was brought to my attention that you 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 also play some some cricket back in the day, which was was unknown <laughs> to me. So, um, <laughs> if you could just you know. Tell us about your your your, your cricketing journey um, back in the day. Yeah, James. Um, like like most of us, we at primary school and Excuse secondary me. school would have been exposed to more sports. So for me, I attended the the St. Michael's school initially. That was in I think nineteen eighty nine for five years. Then I did sixth form at the large school. So during those years, uh, St. Michael's and Lodge, I actually had the opportunity to to start my first division cricket career at age 13. Um, I was in second form and Ian Bradshaw was the captain for the Conway School South in those days. And 
he coming on to the end of that particular season, um, we had an opportunity to to make our, our debut. And that, that cricket for me from age 13, I played first division for Conway School South, um, went into Conway Schools North. They had like different zoning uh, in those days. And then from there, I went in to play for the Empire Club, had the opportunity to open the batting um, one day against Vibrant Green, Wanderers versus Empire on the lawn. And Vibrant Green was an amazing bowler. He was pitching the ball just short of a good length and ball, big off cutters. And they opened the batting with Carole Bess. Carole Bess is a former Barbados and West Indies player. Uh, funny enough, I just scored a century the weekend before in the school's game. So I, I recorded this game with confidence. I can get the ball in the middle of the bat for, for about three or four overs. <laughs> um, and, and then the Empire stalwarts name. I mean, in those days, you had maybe at least three to 400 people from Empire Club alone. Wanderers had a good following. So the men, they started to cast me, who this little 14-year-old boy, I can't get the ball off the square. I went down to Caroline Bass and said, Caroline, what, what should they do? So they do what you do last weekend, we made a hundred, and then two overs, it was out for the thing trying to push it on. But yeah, I enjoyed my time um, coming through the school system. Uh, my schools in Pearl, then I went to Sparky for one year when I left um, school, and that was a very, very good year for me because the late Mark Levine, I know a few gentlemen um, would have seen Mark Levine playing, but he was like a gazelle, meaning he could bat ball on field. Um, exceptionally well. He was based in South Africa, and I played with the late Livy Parkring, Livy Parkring, and Dave Marshall, and those guys at Spartan. Had a, had a reasonably decent year um, that one year that I played at Spartan, and then I went over to Wanderers, and that's where I spent my last four or five years playing for a division cricket um, in, on the domestic scene. And then I got exposed to some better options, mainly administration. And I really had my boots when it was in my mid-20s. So I played first division from age 13 up to about age 24, 25. And then I went fully into administration after that. Okay, interesting story. Uh, so while there, um, you said some different options um, arose there for you. So did you, did you, you say, you know, uh, what, what made you say, well, you're going to done with the cricket thing, we're just going to go straight into to the to the administrator's administration side of it? Well, I'll put it down to one gentleman. Um, he's known now as Hillary Beckles, but in those days it was Hillary Beckles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I went into the, the UEKFL campus after leaving law school, and he was based in Jamaica, and he would come back to Barbados just to play cricket. So he would fly home like the Friday evening, Play cricket the Saturday, Sunday, and fly back up to Jamaica. So one one particular game, it was a little, little friendly full match at the university ground, which wasn't named at three W's all day. And and I was batting and he said, Man, look, with your ability here, man, I want to expose you to also not just playing cricket. I realize that you got good organizational skills. I tell you, well, yeah, I mean, I I, I normally go to the, the sports office at the university. I help out with all sports. It wasn't just cricket, even though I was playing cricket. I was dealing with netball, because obviously the women were playing netball, volleyball, all the different sports. And he said, look, I hear you got good organization skills. I'll give you the opportunity to, to do a little support part-time job at the at the university sports office. And that basically took it from there, because I started to go into the office like Monday to Friday, you know, the class, 
explain to others and then in his sports office and they realized look if i really want to make something out of this i really should should commit more time so the saturdays you know going out there making 20 or 30 or 40 runs as a batsman wasn't really cutting it so i tell myself look man, i ain't gonna make it in the big league so let me try to put myself in a position that i can make a a real meaningful contribution and i, I started to like it and then developing from liking it and then actually starting because i was studying um computer science and accounting at that time i said Mala, let me just finish this first degree but let me just make sure i tr get a qualification in sports and eventually i did that at postgraduate level but it was hillary beckles who really said to me look you got good skills you can play cricket but also use the administrative and organization and um efforts that you got and that's what i did uh, you you mentioned there that you worked at the University of the West Indies in um in, in basically a, a supporting capacity there. Um I know <laughs> that there is uh there's a stigma attached to the university and and, and 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 you know being part of these sporting leagues. There's always this thing of the the university there's this unfair towards the university in all of these sporting leagues um i don't know how much you could you know say on this but you know what what is your what is your take on that well i can tell you this one of the interesting things about a lot of the criticism that university got uh, and still remains to this day um we we were always encouraged to strive for excellence i'll keep it very simple strive for excellence so the resources that the university had in reality a lot of other clubs and schools didn't yeah. have so by virtue of having those additional resources it meant that you could have done things even not even in training that a typical guy would go on train maybe two three hours choose events and thursday and then next time they about our ball is on the weekend at university there was an indoor facility indoor cricket school we called it then and what you found is that a guy could go to class come back have a hit, have a ball. We then got some bowling machines. So there was a lot of technical advantages that the guys had. A fellow who back 10 or 15 minutes choose there and do that Wednesday and Thursday. When you add them together, that was about 45 minutes that you back. But a, a guy now will go on the bowling machine here yet, six hours in two days or six hours in three days of just practicing skills. He'll be practicing hitting over the top, sweeping the ball, the cut shot, the pull shot. So, so the preparation was was the advantage, and then when it came to the game there, because I had the opportunity to manage the, the the university team, particularly in the years when the university was was dominating between like 2008, um, the university got admitted in 2006 for first division cricket, and I use the word admitted deliberately because the typical thing then was that you had to get promoted, promoted to get to get into first division. So you know you either go up or go down. University was admitted. I, I was a young man that was asked to pull together some data, some information um, for the Barbados Record Association. Um, at that time, we at university had close to 62. I remember it well, Stanton Proverbs and a whole set of fellas, 62 players who were playing first division cricket. And that was part of the package that was put together, presented to BCA. BCA admitted um, the university on the Tony Marshall. And that, that caused a uproar in Barbados because everybody's saying here, yeah, oh, or everybody got to be able to get promote or demote and this this group of fellas from up on the hill come through <laughs> the back door and, and one of the things that 
I had because as they say, stop playing early. I said as manager, one thing is go do now since you get admit, you already know that is considered an outside child. Try our best to, to dominate. And I remember there was a little small ground. It's still there in St. Philip Corbett and university was like relaying the, the outfield and the pitch and everything because we were getting ready for the 2007 World Cup. And if you guys remember in 2007 World Cup, there were some warm-up games and some were played at university. university. So that whole 2006 um, season, 2007 season, um, university had to play at this small ground, right? And, and the first game that the university ever won, uh, Shirley Clark, who's no coach of the Greenwood Islands, was captain at the side. And the fellas played seven or eight games that season. I mean, one three-day game. And I told the fellas in the meeting, look, I may not be the best cricketer, but we now get admit. And you can't play six and seven games and only win one. Come 2007, we need to dominate. And in 2007, as the history books were right, uh, the university was able to win the 50 over tournament uh, with, a, with a complete uh, blanket winning streak. It was 10 straight victories in the three day tournament. Um, we registered about five or six victories out of the nine matches and won that, that three day tournament. So winning became a habit and winning at all costs was not what we wanted to do but we wanted to make sure that we won and dominated because we had the the, the facilities available so that was kind of like the, the history of it and people were start talking about guys who were doing part-time classes and fellas who was doing <laughs> yeah, icing courses these fellas were these fellas being able to to play uh, the and they NFL is doing more legitimate, you know, mass computer science, whatever else. And and that was a lot, that was a lot of discussion. I remember a lot of guys from from like Queens College, Cobble Mayor, um, Lodge School, who were still at campus and they could not make it into the site. And they were saying, My like, I got in there because Amen the Saints, you know, they got this little small group. And then we we, we made a choice, which was an interesting mm-hmm. decision. I remember again, Henry Beckles came and said, who you think will be, he asked me that day, who you think will be a really good person to be able to mold these young Caribbean cricketers and Beijing cricketers together? And um, I suggested him Floyd Rifa. And one of the things about Floyd, Floyd had just suffered an injury for Barbados um, where he was running for a catch and him and Martin Nurse. I don't know if you guys ever heard about that. And it was a real nasty, nasty collision where where Floyd had to learn to walk. He had to learn to walk again. And I had, as I said, it was working at UB. So I remember one day his girlfriend, who became his wife, Amanda Rifa, came and said, uh, could we, you know, allow Floyd to come into the little indoor school and learn to walk again and learn to jog. And, And that was where relationship started. So I made a kind of like a, a jump, a leap in the dark and tell um, Sir Hillary, well, well, Troy Floyd. And the history shows that once Floyd came in, because he was, as they say, recovering, he started to learn how to walk and then run and then he started to bat. So then I said to him, well, if you in the setup and you get back fully fit, why not play a coach? And that was it. Floyd ended up being player coach. The team started to do well. We had a lot of guys. And, and the issue then, I mean, most of you fellas will know is that we had a lot of guys from like the other islands, like St. Vincent had persons like Rommel Kurtz, Miles Boston, St. Lucia, we had Craig Emanuel. We had fellas from Guyana, um, like Guilford Moore. Moore. 
And so, so you had you had like a situation where when you put out 11, you may say it, maybe be agency, yeah. So you had like a Nick Parr, Nikolai Pars, who was one of the agents who played Omar Phillips. Um, he was like one of the agents that was in the setup. So we had a regional team. There was a guy from Dominica, um, Liam Sebastian. All yeah, these guys okay. were in that winning side um that was able to generate the interest. And uh, funny enough, after getting the success, what we wanted to do is to try to maintain the success. And and a lot of the clubs in Barbados, I would say on reservedly, had really good players, but it was a situation where it was almost a, a mind block when you come to UB because there was this talk all through the week, man. These fellas got offer advantage. Fellas doing care icing courses. Instead of playing the bottom ball, they were playing a lot of other things. And we were able, as they said, during our period to be successful. And and one of the things about that group is that group was always determined. If, if a fella at the top don't make, somebody in the middle will come and pull up the slap. Um, if a fella don't get wickets up front, we had a guy named Ran Austin, who, again, was a really good off-spinner. Um, sometimes we would have a left-arm spinner near Kavish Kandasin. He would come in and play, he would come in and play pretty much um, and compliment Ryan Austin. And, and, and those guys were able to take a lot of wickets and, and the university got a lot of success. Kevin like, Hodge. Captain Hodge and those guys came in definitely. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them. Yeah, I came to war. I mean, if you fellas know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be yeah. honest, it yeah. was really a lot of hard work. A lot of those guys took longer, I will say this, to complete their degrees because a typical degree is three years. Some of the fellas took six. Sometimes some of the fellas went on seven, eight years um, because they were really trying to balance the schoolwork and the, and the cricket. But I, I think it was a very good exposure and a good experience. And from that university club team, if you guys remember, then there was a combined campuses and colleges team, which was a regional team. And that team uh, got admitted in 2009. And let me tell you something, one of the things about that team, playing against the Trinidad's, the Barbados, the Guyana's, you know, got a lot of licks, but we also were able to give one or two little upsets and stuff like that. So it was a really good experience for a lot of those guys. Mm. Uh, my final question before I let someone uh, jump in there, I was going to, you know, ask about what was it like working with, um, working pretty closely with, with Floyd. Obviously, Floyd is, you know, a legend, definitely a legend of the game. Um, uh, so, you know, yeah, so like I said, it was funny enough that you, you, you mentioned him there just now. So yeah, that was what what was it like working with uh working with someone like a, a Floyd Riffer? I, I, I will put on Floyd today as one of the the true Caribbean sportsmen and, and, and a true patriot. I'll tell you what I mean by that. I remember whenever <laughs> Floyd came, I worked with these young men. Floyd would come in the morning, maybe about eight or nine o'clock in the morning. I remember everybody else. Is pretty much students for the student so eight nine o'clock he doing training maybe up to midday take a little lunch break for an hour so between one or four floyd back there then the fellow who won't come now after class so floyd would take an hour break then in the afternoon now around five and he did to eight o'clock and this man was doing this thing monday to friday then first thing saturday at the game come and perform showing the like leadership that, that that really that you want to see so he was highly committed and and despite your skill level this is the thing about it that i found interesting and it was hoping that more Barbadian cricketers could have could have really benefited from floyd floyd would allow persons to come to the to the facility because he became the head coach and and pretty much pure coach 
and a person who was not even at university could come there and use the, the, the facility and, and, and increase their 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 batting skills, their wicket keeping skills, their bowling skills. And there were only a few fellas who consistently took out that offer. And you know what used to happen? Those were the guys that when the club season finish, they are in the top three or four because they were getting that extra practice mm-hmm. outside of the clubs. Mm-hmm. Where where are some other guys who were really talented, were with their clubs, and they weren't coming to university or engaging? I mean, it's a personality thing too. I remember some really good players at YMPC, some really good players at Carrollton. The one or two that came from those clubs excelled. The other fellas who made 400 runs in the season, the fellas who were training extra, their fellas getting 600 runs. Kyle Mears, a lot of those fellas used to come up there, Shane Dorridge, a lot of those guys spent time working with Floyd. And for me, Floyd is one of those people who, I mean, I left university in 2015, so I worked with him between 2006 to 2015, so that's just show you uh, uh, nine, ten years. He's somebody that was always committed to to, to getting the best out of the, the the young cricketers. And I remember one game, um, Nikolai Paris, and this is saying that I don't know if Nick Parr could ever live down. I remember we we went to Guyana to play a four-day game, and that was the first time um, that Nick Parr made a century at regional four-day level. But Nick Parr and a few of us, I included, went out the night. I had a couple of drinks. So Nick Parr met this century. We going out and met these drinks. Next morning, go to the team meeting. He gets on at 10 o'clock for the first class game. Nick Parr is in the dressing room snoring. And he makes me it. Because you score hard, you feel coming here, no going snoring. <laughs> and the man like sleep. You, I mean, like a lot of us were really tired from the night before. We had people like Jason Paris and everybody that was in our tour. And Nick Parr was pulled up in front of all the fellas. And he was like, this is goal, no boy. No matter century, how the coach could pull in front of everybody talking mm-hmm. about discipline. Now the coach was outside, was also out drinking. But what I'm mm-hmm. saying is that these fellas knew how to be able to drink and then turn on the A game the following day. Mm-hmm. The experience Nick Parr over drink, fall asleep, I <laughs> that was it. Everything flowed really, really good. And Floyd was always committed, and, and then he always encouraged the fellas to do the best at the thing. Yeah. Before 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 I let Hassani before Hassani get to you before Hassani you're ready to go. I'm going to kill you, say horse. Yeah, yeah. Before Hassani get to you, just quickly. Um, obviously you mentioned that you 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 recommended Floyd. So when when does this planning for a season start? So I assume you, Floyd, Iron Shore, Hillary, you always start planning for the season, the domestic season. When did that process start? Like in January or even? as soon as the, the, the current season would have finished. Well, as you as you're familiar with the semester system, the semester system is generally September to December. And then you go January to about March. Well, January to April, then you go summer, summer school. So the planning for the club season was pretty much after you finish the club season in December. We used to start planning from January. January meaning that obviously a lot of skills work used to be done. Floyd is a real technical person. I was a more logistics and management person. So you got fellas that will come four or five days a week and they have charts. They know in their chart they're supposed to hit 200 balls within Monday to Wednesday. You know they're going to do X amount of shuttles. You know they're going to do X amount of sweep shots, etc. So you got that planning going on January, February, March. Now the typical club season, as you know, used to be late early May. So by the time a fella get to March, he hit 
Let's say you're getting 100 balls to three. They have 300 balls a week, you know. And you do that mass by 12. So you get 36. They got fellas that play a whole season. <laughs> and they know we're closer. Yeah. Fellas like the, the, the seamers, the fast bowlers, no, were, were very well managed. So the fast bowlers would not be able to bowl more than four overs in a spell. And and that was obviously to keep themselves fit enough for it. We had a physiotherapist again because of resources. So we were able to tell a man, as much as you want to bowl a five over or six over spell, you're only bowling four overs today. We had like even the cricket ball. Most clubs when they get a cricket ball, if you get a box of new balls, when the ball get old, you play you're bowling that ball to the ball fuzz out. We used to start balls, scratch it one side. Try mm. to follow they learn how to bowl a half new ball. Left I don't know how to bowl a wet ball as a slow bowler. I saw all that training, uh pretty much Nero started, as I say, for January. So by the time you reach the, the month of uh, March, you're going through 12 weeks of a lot of repetition, a lot of high performance training. And 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 then the mental aspect was something that we used to work on very much where a lot of game scenarios, not not game scenarios that typical clubs do where you tell a man you want 60 runs in five overs <laughs> and you want 20 runs to get in the last over. Not that type of game scenario. We used to go in game scenarios where a fella technically know, like I saw Floyd do something one day where he had a fella about a wall pad, the front pad, and the wicket was deliberately prepared to spin then. So if you can't sweep the ball, which is a shot, which you know when you sweep the ball, you got a range from forward the square right around right, the front right. mm-hmm. Go a lot of fellas that can't sweep the ball. So what Floyd do? All right, take off that back pad and you learn how to sweep. So a lot of fellas learn, like the Kyle Corbins and their fellas learn how to sweep the ball. So when you came in a Saturday game and a good bowler come from a club, so suppose you come to, to Yorkshire and you were in a good spell, people know, all right, if you were bowling 10 overs in the 50 over game, we know how to sweep Nero depending on the field he set. And you know in cricket, you can only go too many behind square. Yeah, so if you go a man on the 45 and a man deep square leg, you make a funny sweep here. The mega part of sweep, the mega slow. So Floyd was amazing in teaching these guys how to do that. And the skill levels of those guys, I will tell you up front, I tell you guys here, wasn't a different to, 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 to the good club cricketers and all, but the exposure to repetition, the exposure to being able to train in good facilities. When the rear fall, most things the sunny you will do when the rear fall is going to pavilion relax. Mm-hmm. Fellas in the indoor school hitting walls at eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. And that was something that that we were really keen on. And then mentally, when you're getting tight spots, how do you problem solve? Problem solving in, all right, and a 50 over game, the overs number 20 to 40, there's really a consolidate. Don't care if you get a wonderful start, consolidate, score at five and six runs over during that period. So a lot of 300 scores were made by university because we used to plan the cricket mentally um, during those months. And um, second question before Hassani go, how has been the transition from, um, I think you were operations before and now into communication and marketing? Well, I came to the BCA, as you just said, November 2015, and I was director of cricket uh, for five years um, from November 2015 to October 2020. And during that year, I'm very happy to say that those five years are our youth cricket program, our center of excellence. We had years where we had the under-15 regional Barbados team winning back-to-back championships, regional on the 17s, regional on the 19s. And if you look back 
at the last 40 years of Barbados cricket, we dominate senior men's cricket. But the junior cricket, the last time we had won the regional tournament was back in 2012, when I think Shea Hope was playing. So I was really happy to work with the, the guys and be able to get those type of results from the regional junior level. And then our men continued to dominate, and then our women started to dominate as well. But the transition has been an interesting one because um, coming in from university, I did a bit of everything. I did a bit of marketing. I did a bit of administration. I did a bit of accounting. I, I used to have to manage a budget in excess of 500000 US a year. I have to account for everything. So I had a bit of everything mixed up in that 12 years at UE. So when I transitioned from operations, which I've loved because I've been working with regional tournaments, local tournaments, international tournaments for over 20 years, um, to just be strictly knowing marketing, um, I'm pulling together all those skills and using the connections. And I've been enjoying it. I'll be honest. I've been enjoying it. It's something that I think is very important. COVID is on us, which makes it a lot difficult uh, when you go to people asking them to, to contribute to cricket. Um, years gone by, a, a, a financial controller would have been a former cricketer, and he might be able to work <laughs> in the budget. But these times now you've got people making business decisions, and they will say, look, I can't even meet payroll or I can't even do certain things because of COVID. So I ain't gonna come and give you the big set of washing money because it's a game of cricket. So a lot of skills now that I'm developing, a lot of negotiating has been ongoing. And I've enjoyed I've enjoyed a year and a year and a half that I've been I've been in this new role. Well hey, Mr. Evening. Mr. Lives again on. Um good man. You see, you jumped the line. So I, I want to know, had you all had to do the grind, you think the UE would have been as successful as it was with the sketchy line in port, <laughs> then head hunt. This, this, this is word on the street. Met, you made me say water, Hassan. You made me say water. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, you port your best. You can school, school the on the 19 system and say, all right, I want him, 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 and him. Had you had had you all had a growing from like second division or come up, you think you would have still been as successful as it is in terms of y'all had to put in the work from the bottom and come up, earn your stripes as the people would say. I'll be honest, the it would have been a lot more difficult um working through the system, but I believe that university would have been still successful. I'll tell you what before before 2006, when university got the, the first division admission. University in 2005 um, taught the zone in intermediate division. And again, I was just manager. And I think there were nine games and university won about seven. So you had a lot of good cricketers playing intermediate cricket and was able to, say, to bring that zone back in 2005. However, translating that into the question that you asked, where a team could come in 2006, then be able to scout, because that's basically what scouting is. You try to get the best youngster from Lodge, Carmere, St. Michael's, Queens, whichever school. And you pull them together and then you incorporate that with the regional talent because, trust me, a lot of contributions that were made to UE success wasn't just the local Beijing guys. It was a lot of the, the, the Craig Emanuel's, the Bromel Currencies, the, the Miles Bascom's, the, the Guilford Moore's, the Cavish kind of things, them. So the domination might not have been at the same level, um, but the ability to be successful, I believe, would have been able to be realized. Because we have a lot of talented Barbadian cricketers on the campus, for sure. 
All right, friend. Second one, I'm quickly. All right, you know we had the COVID. We fast forward. We 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 say the late or late at the end of the tunnel. 2022 BC domestic season. What can we expect? Format. How how can we expect? Know that we having about some proper good local cooking, and not just the shorter format, but I think the three day or four day versions coming by as well. Well, I'll start by telling you this. Uh, in my new role, I don't get the opportunity to see or hear the negotiations before. But it was shared with me maybe just about a week and a half ago that all the formats are back. So come the 23rd of April, we started with the T20s. The T20s now will be elite and individual one together, which is a, a T20 cup. Then you got the intermediate teams playing T20 together, that T20 shield. And then the second division teams playing the T20 play. So you got from the 23rd of April to about the 11th or so of June, strictly T20 cricket going on. So that's a wonderful thing to start with. Again, you're trying to make a soft reintegration into being at a clubhouse, relaxing, a fellow having a drink after the game, being out and being able to express yourself and playing cricket. So that's the first thing. We also get past those T20s, we go right into the 50 over and the 40 over component. Again, limited overs. <coughs> The 50 over could be for the elite and first division teams. The 40 over will be for the intermediate, second division clubs and schools. So that is a run pretty much from, from mid-June right down to August. The traditional cricket that you and I know, which is the promotion and relegation now, 3-day elite, that is starting in August. So that 3-day elite will play in August. That runs from August right down to December 18th, a week before Christmas. And then you have, along with our three-day elite, the intermediate playing their, their, their three days, the second division playing their two days. So they're running the cricket similarly, right ball cricket from pretty much August running down the road. Now, I'm really pleased to hear that that we are going down the road of having all formats played. Because right. when it things about cricket, and, and it happened when I first came to BCA, I remember that typically when I played first division, you see Ray Ball up front all the time. So when you gain the month from here, Ray Ball cricket. And I made a, a decision and, and the board agreed, look, I want to get more scores for limited overs cricket. When it's the scores, there weren't enough centuries being made. And the dry part of the season, as we know, is probably proud from May to roughly about September. The uh -huh. rain is setting on us, and we just get a lot of rain between September and down the road. Correct. So I was able to ask and Agree, propose it. We play a lot of white ball cricket. Right ball cricket came in for the back of the end. And then this promotion relegation now, this is complicated. Remember, like, fellas would normally go to England. The real good players for some clubs will go to England. And by the time they get back at the end of August, half of the right ball season finish. So it's a nah, man. Play the white ball up front. By the time they fellas come back, teams get, you know, the better players back in, 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 in the troops. Are you able to really deal with the business end. So this year, we are going forward with all three formats. White ball T20s, white ball 50 over, and then the typical red ball with its promotion relegation. All right. Thanks, my, my brother. I can't, you ever give a consideration how about starting the season earlier? Bring it up. You know, we've got a lot, I just said September, we've got a lot of rain interrupting in the back end of the season. Um, to me, I guess the same BC and BFA got work called BFA does normally play in the dry party season and that man has become playing, but how hard and crack at the grounds is be. 
So I'm saying we, we look at that retool it to play. And ironic enough, the latter stages of last year, we had a low rate. We get rain, a low rate to start a year. So to me, I think it's, I don't know if y'all could look at it, start a season a little, bring it up a little bit. Probably to bow. That would be difficult, Sunny, because oh, from a man that's be at the cricket grounds in May, in February and March, the grounds just be horrible. Most grounds just be. Yeah, horrible. but a lot of rain falling on the road. You cannot say that the year will dry. You can't, but with how the I'm talking about generally. Generally, generally right. the grounds were horrible. Now going forward, that's a different thing. But generally, and then. Westin has got some tours now. He's finding it becoming a staple. He's got tours in January and then for a scratch cricket. So that might not be on the agenda for the BC at that point until April or so. But Trinidad is playing with early. We yeah, entered that. It's, it's an interesting suggestion, Hassan, because mm-hmm. the, the thing about, about playing earlier, not just the points that, mm-hmm. that Nero made too, one of the things that I find it happens, we, we play more organized cricket than any other part of the Caribbean. We play just over 1,200 cricket organized matches for club cricket between April and December. 1,200 games and all. Study that for a moment. We set this thing for granted. In St. Vincent, in Grenada, most of these other islands you will hear, they go a tournament. Jamaica, you see in Trinidad, play a lot of limited overs. But when you look at the matches, Barbados got 1,200 games for the season. Then you know we got schools cricket. We got the on the 15s used to call it the line on the 15. We got on the 19 cricket. Then we still got women's cricket league too that we, we just play. So all things being equal, Hassani and Nero and everyone, we try our best to we've got cricket 12 months a year really in Barbados and all. But it's just that the club season is start for April. Because remember between January and March, we've got Masters cricket too. Keith Masters cricket come true from January to, to March. You just got the women's league that is called the Eris Walker women. That's T20 and 50 over games that start in February. So we just got continuous cricket, but the typical club season is run from April to, to about December. Or even, all right, in our case, you know, maybe kind of the last half in terms of like the semi finals and finals, when you get on to the, like in the right ball season, we should take a pause because, you know, you really affect a lot of them games. I started, I played them early in the new year. Just year, before, okay. just before outside gets dry, cause you know that December, early January period, outside is still be a little, you know the grounds are still being good and good shit. That way you can get a proper finals. I mean, it's good for the guys to get accustomed to all conditions, but we can dry wicket. But in terms of again, like a proper final and a proper semi final, instead of a team going out because of any group or whatever cases, you know it brings back life. And I'm glad as a, as a fan. Attempted player and a, a fan of the game that is all format cricket. Um uh, for the for the clubs especially, you know, it's good to see people getting back active and enjoying the game. It is a pleasant sight to drive on the roads on evenings and see the guys out practicing and you know, the fellas excited and the word is that the fellas excited this season. So I'm praying that with the excitement comes a lot of a very heavy competition. <coughs> And a lot of a lot of run scores, wicket takers, a competitive season. You know that makes the Barbados electors scratch ahead of it. Sure, we got like cause the guys were locked up basically for two years. So those that are really serious about taking their games in the next level should come out the blocks this season with a renewed desire and hunger 
to say, look, I miss cricket so bad, and this how we can dominate. And I saw nigga raise something here now that I don't know if you fellas know, but the the, the concrete strip at, at Wanderers, I know that there are fellas who go there, and I talk about the Shane Mosleys and Tevin Walkers and these guys. These guys go there now to try to go to keep their game refined, and they are club cricketers who need to expose themselves and utilize facilities that are available so that, as you say, when the club season start and you start to reel off scores, it's because you have been preparing yourself a little bit better than the other guy. And I think that was critical because there's a there's something called the Legends Cup that we introduced at the BCA two years ago. We're the best players. It's like trials, but the best players are then put into three or four teams, and then you, you, you allow them to play cricket leading into the regional tournament. So again, to get into their legends games, you gotta be able to try to show your worth at club level, and I think that's the important thing because for me, club cricket is two things: you got the recreational guys who go there and make sure to have a good time, get a good sweat, interact, and then you got the guys who want to go to the next level. So you gotta cater to those both groups, and and once you go on that, that route, you can't go wrong. All right, Leslie. Uh, uh, sorry, Jay. Uh, all right. Then. All right, Leslie, you just mentioned that we played over 1,200 games, right? And they have some former teammates and some current teammates from Trinidad, St. Lucia, and they normally come and play this. They, they can't believe the amount of cricket, destruction, and stuff like that. So we are ahead in that aspect. But in other aspects, they think we are behind. So we wanted to put it to you. How far off do you think we are from having a paid setup for, like, at least the elite and first division or whatever, even the elite, because... I know y'all obviously play the Barbados players, etc. So how far are we are from at least having that structure? And I mean the Calypso Cup, as in the, just a straight franchise T20 setup. I mean, like for that division. And secondly, our stuff being televised, because obviously we would have just seen the the T10, the Vixie Mass tournament. And I think Grenada has one as well. The Yes. Yeah, so how far are we from that Barbados? We got, how far, how far? Let me take the second one first, because only today mm-hmm. I was speaking to a guy named Carlos Clark, who's from BIM, BIM TV. And he he and I met about two months ago. And the long short of it is that the whole televising of cricket, like streaming the cricket, is something that is being aggressively pursued right now. I, I feel personally when I, when it was when it was doing the other job, I I don't believe that you should just hear radio commentary on the Saturday. I feel a man should be able to go on his device and you go feature a game. You may be able, you can't be able to stream every elite yeah. game, but a man know that you feature a game is Pitbit versus Wanderers. And he knows that a T20 is a short game, three hours. He can play device and between two o'clock to five, he watching the Pitbit versus Wanderers game. Now, we are at the point now where we are putting dollar signs to it. And, and then the proposal will be put together and really taken to the, the, the powers, which is the board of directors. So we are closer in 2022 to having a more visual, as you call it, televising, live streaming the cricket than we were in 2020, when we last played cricket. The other thing about what you asked about the shortcomings, uh, I'll be upfront and tell you that Having Sagar Fisovers as a living legend, and then the Gordon Greenwiches, the Desmond Hines, the Malcolm Marshalls, the we expect things to grind in Barbados, you know. 
as soon as the fella is good and he can't get to that level of, of being a, a net Sagari, we just land base them. So it also happens with our organization. Um, in terms of the organization of cricket, 1,200 games are played, and there's certain things that we need to do better. I think that the pitches in Barbados, that clubs need to be able to start getting more help, um, getting groundsmen taught how to prepare pitches better. And, and I'll be, I won't be critical of the groundsmen that we have around Barbados because they do a tremendous job. They, they work sometimes by themselves, pulling the roller. They may got one fella, and then a little boy that come along, so they only got two. But they, they will be best with even the resource. But we got to reach a point now, I believe, that all the pitches at the, the, the elite level and intermediate level, um, certainly for the schools, cricket got to be better. Because I don't think that we get the best pitches. And the outfield dynamic is a net, is a very tricky one. Because as you know, you are saying it earlier, there's certain times of the year where you got rain and there could be certain times of the year where it's very dry. So the pitches and the outfields in Barbados are always going to be under strain because we just do everything. If you go to school, you just play football at the Pony Pasta, you just do track and field Pony Pasta, you just play cricket Pony Pasta. So yeah. well, you could be able to then manicure and keep a field in, in, in the you know the, 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 the condition that you really want it to be. Yeah. And I, I went to law school like three weeks ago to do uh, an interview, which, which I can share with you guys eventually once it's produced. Uh, with Mr. Clifton Phillips. Clifton Phillips now, tell, well, based on the interview, this year is going to be 30 years that he was teaching and at the law school and being involved as a cricket coach. Now, when I went there... For, for, yes, that's all his means, yes. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I went there in 1994, and Mr. Phillips looking the same year in 2022. <laughs> Mustache. <laughs> Shirt in the pants, yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you, fellas, right? It, it just shows you the, the but, but when you look at large school, when men or large got a, a ground and a big ground, yeah. yeah. You look, the, when you look at the infrastructure, the new pavilion, and everything, first class. But the outfield, no, from what I saw, well manicured and everything. But you know what can happen now when you start lining up the marks, yeah, 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 the track and thing. So, so, so the last part of it, fellas, is that it's going to be tough to be able to remedy those things. I, I made a proposal four years ago, and maybe it will be taken up with the powers that be in, in this new this new dimension. You all need to identify between six to eight rounds um, in Barbados, and they were outlined. We went down the road, Windward, North Stars, Wanderers, St. Catherine. And when you use those grounds, try to put some resources in them and be able then to build them out to be what you would consider mini first-class rounds. Mm-hmm. And you play your, your elite cricket, but your best players, your most competitive cricketers at those six or eight rounds, and you rotate them. Mm-hmm. A, a man home game does not have to be that St. Catherine must play home in St. Philip. University must not always have to play home at 3Ws over. I'm saying that if you've got six or eight rounds, you rotate them, and you allow everybody to have an experience at those different rounds. And those are the things that I hope could, could help our cricket going forward. And the last thing was, and you were saying to mention it, the umpiring. The umpiring Barbados has improved from maybe 20, 30 years ago. But I still believe that there's a lot more that we can do to help the best umpires come true. But we got a lot of young umpires that I believe should be forging everywhere into the first class panel 
and be able to get on the international power. Because if you look at the umpiring for the Caribbean officials in the last three or four series, it has not been up to scratch. And I think that that's where we need to really encourage people and to work with the umpires and, and get them out to that level that we could be world-class. Even if they're playing the best cricket on the field, we got an, uh, you know officials that are, are world-class. But Mr. Leslie, I think Lodge got the best groundsman in Barbados or that. Just me, though. They got to leave by the best. best we used to call this is called Lodge Perth, man. <laughs> and it can create season, field manicure as much as football used to play on La Pasta. Then you could not believe it was cricket. Could not believe that grass, nice and soft. And then sometimes with the footballers used to do sometimes is he would go and practice on the B Pasta. You know, he was like, yeah, it's usually possible, but the B pass apparently is getting some work done as well. So, yeah. And, the, and also the Nets, the Nets is, the Nets is, was always key. And we've been begging for them for years, just, uh, come here, go Nets, and we can't get a little concrete Nets. The man, the eyes be gone. Nets, I, I, new I, pavilion, gym. I can't remember if you asked me about the, about the paid structure part, you know, I think that. But I just said that. Anyway, yeah, anyway, I think it's something that the BCA can need to look at, especially when you're sending in your proposals, because not only are marquee players leaving, like to the US is becoming a thing now, and other leagues, Trinidad, a couple of years ago, even some, some players that are not marquee or bigger names are just going to England. And some of the money that they're going for is not substantial amount of money. Guys are just going because it's England. So I think it's something that the BCA have to look at soon, especially when you're going out there for sponsorship and for that injection of cash. Now, I'll give it this much of the answer. I, I, I deliberately didn't want to touch it because you, you still say when you ask the question, you don't want to be like the Calypso Cup. I remember mm. there was a concept where you wanted to put together six franchise teams. Correct. 15 players, right? You're paying 90 players at some amount of money. How many budget was put together, fellas? It was over 2.5 million Barbados dollars for that short mm. tournament. When you look at all the league fees and then you got prepared grounds, etc. So, nobody gonna wobble and give cricket or any sport in Barbados 2.5 million dollars for that. And every BC has resources, you know, we're resourced by the, by the Barbados lottery in terms of the overall income and revenue. If you take that money and, and put $2.5 million, as a board, you then got to justify that to your membership. And you got to let your membership know this is how the 90 players are actually benefiting Barbados' cricket. So it's one of the tricky things where, yes, people want to be able to remunerate a person or a good player. And and, and, the, and the franchises in Trinidad and U.S., those guys, as you say, don't pay, get paid a big set of money. But it's lucrative enough. They get to go to the mall. They get to to get the X amount in the pocket. So they fellas take it because in Barbados right now, is mm-hmm. unless you're contracted, it's you don't get anything for cricket. But it's something that I believe that once we get through this period of COVID, and and COVID is going to take a little while to allow the economy to rebound. All right, now, as we fellas know that everything is taking a while to come back to to some semblance of normalcy. So I believe in another year or so that serious consideration can go back to to, to that discussion mm-hmm. um well Stephen, before I, I again to my next question i just i just want to say I, it's, it's very pleasing to hear that you know the cricket will be coming back in um full force in, in all formats uh, i know nero near two decades lazy boy and 
I honestly, Nero is just that person. Nero is always one mood I think. That's always happy, always. Nero is just Nero. But you see when you're hearing cricket game, you're getting cricket, or you're talking cricket game cancelled, or you're talking about what you're talking about. I know it was really taking a talk to my man, Nero, for sure. He was really <laughs> feeling it for sure. He did really, he really was taking it also. To hear that cricket is coming, but I, I, I know, I know. So Jason trying to say it was licking up your mantle. It was licking up your mantle. Yeah, it was. It was really messy. Sure. You know? So I know, I know he's glad to, to have the, the cricket coming back. So but, wait, Jess, um, before you, so you're trying to say that expect a blockbuster geez, season for Nero. I am not saying that. I'm saying <laughs> that he's happy to have cricket back. But happy <laughs> should try. Happy being happy should translate to runs. Well, it should, it should, but you know, okay. we'll see how that goes. Okay. But yeah, it's um, 600 runs, Nero. Thanks, bro. one, one. I mean, I, I wish we had it for the whole today, but one person I really <laughs> wish that was on the show today was Ben <laughs> Collingworth. <but, laughs> <laughs> I don't want to Collingworth. I, I, I actually know. was looking for not just in the round with you three, right? But yeah, Dwayne, uh, all the shows that I've watched is one of these guys. I really want to engage him on club cricket. Yeah, yes. The whole yes, UV project. And yes, yeah, he, yes, yes. it is what it is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I mean, Nero kind of asked this question just, um, just on it kind of, kind of in a nutshell. Um, the state of cricket in Barbados right now, I mean, there, 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 there are many, we talk about the, the, it's the, the not playing of enough games. We're talking about the you know the same playing pain with the cricketers um on on um on a weekly basis. Uh the the facilities they, like I said there, there are a lot of, of of different factors that you know we kind of pick out um for the, the lack of you know performance and stuff like that in, in, in the in the uh in cricket in Barbados. So like without saying we don't give it away too much. Obviously, I know certain things that you know they, they, they have to you know be passed by you know a board and stuff like that. Are there plans or or are there thoughts being have at the current moment to improve um the state of cricket in Barbados and like tr tr obviously I mean Steven, you're you're someone that is on the ground, so you hear all of the the, the, the different um discrepancies. I should say. For, for for lack of a better word at the moment with with regards to to cricket so like i said you obviously you know you can't say too much but are there thoughts are there plans are there things in the works to, to try to improve the level of cricket in barbados definitely um there's a there's a bca cricket development plan that you could you could read or anybody could read on the on the current barbados cricket website it is 2018 to 2022 and that that cricket plan has a, a slew of different areas um from women's cricket uh trying to get more young ladies playing from the primary school level um young boys we you know they got the Herman Griffith cricket which is not really managed by the BCA which is something that I've always felt even though this National Sports Council has continued to produce and do a very good job at the Herman Griffith I believe Barbados Cricket Association should also be part of that development phase um, from those young boys from age six up to age 11. But be that as it may, that is also part of uh, things that we need to really improve on. And, and the plan, if you look at it, has so many different areas 
trying to get a semi-professional league. Um, semi-professional league, which you and I would traditionally look at having franchise-type cricket for the better players. Um, then being able to, to advance the amateurs into being semi-professional too as well because it is all about the environment. And if you don't do things the right way, people will just take it as recreation. And there was so a few of them get called trials and the rest of the week could just have a drink on the soda, eat some food and relax. So so the plan is so comprehensive. Now, because, I mean, COVID affected year 2020 to year 2022. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that want that was in our studio needed to be rolled out that probably would you know be part of the plan going forward. So yes, there's a very serious approach at the BCA for the development of, of all cricket and working with the schools because people gotta realize that club cricket can only become strong again when the school cricket improves and becomes stronger. This is what I mean. A typical club cricketer when I was playing cricket for Spartan would turn up to the ground on Saturday and Sunday and play cricket and only be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for practice. I don't know what it is every day now. Sometimes now I know fellas just turn up for the two practice sessions or one and then they come for Saturdays. But they don't, they're not true club main. They're club main that we're there from Monday to Friday helping out the other club mates. So suppose you are a club like Carlton, they got netball team. They got a volleyball team. They got a football team. They got a cricket team. A true Carrollton club member should be somebody who, even though they might be a cricketer, they're helping out the other people during the course of the week. And they find out what happens in Barbados now is that most cricketers come and they play, they practice, and then they go along. Now you got the devices, which is not what we had maybe 15 years ago. A person know that they're going to cruise before a ball ball. So that they 630. It's six thirty. They get ready. A shower and a gone. You ain't sitting around in the dressing room talking about what happened in the game for a long time. You ain't getting these stories. I remember having to sit down in the older generation gone. The older generation, yeah. That's the point. You had to sit down in the club, fellas. Game finished at five o'clock. All nine or ten o'clock, you sitting in the clubhouse listening to stories here about how to be able to plan for the team that you're playing against. How they were able to, you know, get victories from behind. But in these times, a man a player by seven o'clock, he home or he going, re- you know, some other recreational activity. So if you if you get the schools understanding a feeder system, so like if you go to to like that's called the school Alexandra, you should be going to Maple. It should be a feeder program that for Alexandra Simple. school, you go to Maple because that's the natural progression. Mm-hmm. If you may be at Commonwealth School. You know that you're floating down to Spartan or you're floating down to Empire Club. You know, so so these are things that have to be streamlined. So a young man that is talented knows from second and third form, this is where my pathway is likely to be from a club level, school to club. These are things that I believe the BCA can work on to improve. And I'm sure that going forward, as I told you, that the plan beyond the 2022 will have those type of things in it. So how about, um, how about Steve, Stephen, what? Let me see. I'm not saying not make a law. Cause you know most clubs is push the fellas from all over, and it's also come down to location where the persons live. But make it a highly recommendation. Like, hey, um, you know, I ain't saying it. You get points if you feel, if you you get additional points to start bonus points to start a season. If you get players from your schools in your local, 
So me and Paul, if you get, if you you bring it to children to the feeder program for down the north, cause I think me and Paul's the, the main, the main ground north. Yeah. Besides, yeah, you get points. You take care of that local. Um, I just say uh, there's large. Let me use large as Saint Catherine automatically. Yeah. But again, that comes down to where the person live. So if the person, you know, they try to, as you say, the feeder system and the schools work with the clubs, as you said. But then would they not, not have a need for combine schools? You see, there's you a need, have for a need for combine if you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah there'll be a need for combine school for sure, too. But you see, I don't know if you fellas know, right? But like when I did my when I did my um, post grad, I do a little, let's call it a thesis or something like that, right? The thesis. Mm-hmm. When I did that, some of the books that I had to read, I did not know. I I think a shirt tonight that the first time a West Indies team ever went on an international tour was to the United States and Canada in eighteen eighty two. That was thirty years. You know, we's always here about nineteen twenty eight mm-hmm. as the first Test match that West Indies played. Backtrack thirty years. They felt that West Indies had to be proven themselves, and but West Indies went through USA and Canada. There's a book by Hillary Beckles that chron- got chronicle the game played, and we get retail licking in 1882, playing in Houston and in Boston and California. So what happened then is that that was a third year leading into 1928 before we started playing cricket. I feel that these are sort of things that we need to educate our our, our clubs and our schools about. Where you tell fellas, look, this cricket was not just saying that happened by chance. There was a method. They brought people from overseas, for example. This is the last thing we'll share tonight. They had the three schools in Barbados. Arson College, Cabo Mare, and the Lodge. So in the like, 1850s, 1860s, headmasters were sent from England to then three schools in Barbados. And you know what they were, you know what they taught? The two of those three schools you all must have a games master. And you games master must teach cricket. You know what it was teaching cricket? Because they wanted cricket to be a, a method to discipline people. You know the whole saying in cricket that the umpire's decision is final. So if a man teeth you out, you're supposed to put you back on if you arm and walk off. All that was part of your socialization. Mm-hmm. That the principals, the games masters, everybody was there between the 1850s to socialize us to be in a particular direction. So I want I, I feel that them says that we should teach people, let them know the understand the history. But by the time you get to 1928, what it meant, by the time you get to 1950, when we have the first black captain, what it meant. And and all of those things will help, I believe, in the development of cricket. But cricket is different now in 2022 than it was maybe up to the 1980s. So we gotta do the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh I well, I mean Honestly, you know, I just hope and as someone who would have um served in the under the UB camp and would have seen the you know the the advantages of having um you know various resources and stuff like that and just seeing how that would have helped those players, you know. Yeah, I, I just you know hope that you know some of that some of your knowledge and some of your experience can know transition over to 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 the uh to the bca cricket and wouldn't help you know cricket at large in 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 barbados yeah i'll 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 leave i'll leave it on that 
Right. Hey, that's one. Hey, that's one. It says scoot though. Is that is this the calendar season for? Is there any more cricket in Barbados, like internationally or regionally at Kensington for the rest of the year, or that's it? My 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 understanding, my information is that we are going to have a New Zealand team New Zealand. here in in the early part of August. Um, you see, you should have left it. You should have said You should have said it's on the table. Yeah, it's possible. But, but no, that that's what is likely to happen. We probably will have New Zealand here in August. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys would have heard about the regional cricket men's season is supposed to be Trinidad. continuing in Trinidad um, sometime in the month of May. So that would impact us. And then I understand there could be uh, a hosting of some regional youth cricket um, in Barbados. <clears throat> so I'm not sure if it's youth women or youth men, but certainly that's something that's possible as well during the course of the year. Uh, any more any more questions for Stephen, guys? That's it for me for now, man. He, he, he get ready tonight. He get ready tonight. He get ready tonight. <laughs> well, all right. Well, yeah. Let me see. Turn up. Let me partnerships. Partnerships. Let me look at partnerships. Like one of the things that we realize about these young cricketers to the programs in terms of public speaking and having people be more aware you know speaking showing a different side you know their programs yeah they're missing i guess but like ours let's take ours for example like we we give a lot of knowledge and we give we give our viewers a chance to know these cricketers in a different light you know i have a great appreciation for the journey you think that's something the bca will be interested in you know because you have the pool of the cricketers you know you tell yourself about this could be part of media training, how you conduct yourself. And if you call it any of the day, it's about them getting themselves out there. So people say, well, who's this all nobody? But they can say, well, so-and-so was. And, you know, it helps with their confidence, especially. You know? well, well, Hassani, you, you hit a nail on the head. We, we got a lot of stereotypes in Barbados. And if I talk about this program, I, I try my best every Wednesday to tune in because I am really pleased with the, with the work that you guys have been doing. I think that what you guys are doing now, maybe two, three, four years from now, each of you could be an international comments person, an international blogger, an international, we don't know. But one of the things that I find is in Barbados, the first thing they do, where that person went to school. Did that person play for Barbados? <laughs> um, who was them and uncle or grandfather I, I remember for example and this is only a personal professional example i'm going to give you when the job for director cricket was advertised any of the three hundred thousand agents could apply for it <laughs> listen to me carefully any of the three hundred thousand, any person outside of barbados could have also applied <clears throat> i was fortunate enough after the interview to get it <clears throat> but who he play for? Play some club cricket. Who he play for? He ain't play for Barbados. So what you find is that when you try to encourage young people, because when they got a job, it was 37. So here's a man who play who would play national cricket in the mid to late 30s and get a job. And then when you bring certain ideas, it would be something that you gotta really hammer home. You know, I, I be a diplomatic, you gotta really hammer it home. Now, if I was a person maybe who would have played a few games in Barbados or West Indies or be a city lighter color than what I am now, 
a lot of things that you guys are talking about about public speaking a lot of things might have been able to be realized a lot a lot faster but bc is a place that i enjoy working it's a place that i like promoting things like what you guys do i mean i feel that bc should go a bc a tv channel that mm-hmm. highlighting all cricket grassroots women men boys girls get to see the perspective of so many other people that we just only see when they go out and and, and that's some of the things that i'm talking about mm-hmm. um with the gentleman and something that i could put on the table and you have that channel and you can make so much money from it because barbados cricket is a brand whether you like it or not we're seeing these maybe losing cricket games for the last 15 years but barbados still have this sort of aura about the many people here or are you Beijing? And it's remember Malcolm Marshall, remember Garner, it's remember so many people from even the world week, Sam Walker, so Gary. So so there's a brand, and I feel that, that there's so much that can happen just as you saw Hassani with the, the program that you guys are doing and the work that you guys are doing should be something that we should encourage. And and not only encourage, but market it. Market it aggressively. Let people know, look, this is the blog that you should be tuning in every Wednesday to. This is Wednesday 8.30 till 9.30 or 10. This is where you should be. Not just the Mason and Guess. But the Mason and Guess has its, 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 its audience. And yeah. it has its role. Because remember Mason. Mason is, is, is bringing a lot of his uh, charisma to the whole show. Right. That's yeah. like you listen to him. Yeah. But it's, it's also about getting this type of... And there's a different um, demographic too. Exactly. A different demographic. A different demographic. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, but he has a wide audience, and and one of the things yeah. that I wanted him to do, um, which I said to him privately, is to continue to promote cricket as much as he can. Commentators, people who could be inside. If you listen to people like Jamal Smith and their comments, there were some of the best comments made in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe be real, you know, I'll be him pretending, but yeah. it is what it is. Um, Jamal Smith played for a class cricket as you know for Barbados and CCC, but. If he's the real maroon cat, he, he might be he might be sitting down next to Nasar Hussein or, or one of these fellas right now. And that's what it goes. I, I just said that it gave me sad comment. All that man said love for Ben all them like 20 of that man decided to just left the earth tomorrow. Yeah. Like he's a big is a big boycott in a succession planning, being here now, but being taking 20 years from now. Let's groom these fellas early. Let me integrate them, let me show them the ropes. And then it's just all that knowledge is done. Like after Tony Cozy, there was a little gap. Like there was a gap. There, there was literally a gap in the Caribbean for a commentary because there was no satisfaction planning. Yeah, and, and you see the opportunities that are provided now. You have um I could call three names. You got Bishop, Ian Bishop, Darren Ganga. That that fellas go right around the world. Sure. Most franchises always you want to hear their voice. And then you got fellas that are coming on now who training. Well, who have been exposed? Let me put it that way. Who are former cricketers like like securely Ambrose and these guys? They're coming on, but they're they're they've not reached that level like a like a Ganga. You, you know, you know, you hear Ganga every international T20 franchise that I got because he's a yeah. brand now. You know, and Bishop is the same thing. Bishop is the voice, though. Like some some the voice for it. You know, it and, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys just follow Australia cricket, but you know Australia. If a fella finished playing at age 38 and it's February, booth, straight in the booth. <laughs> by, by, by March, first man in the booth. Mm-hmm. Sure you Damian Martin, all these fellas, Mark Taylor, Ricky, oh, Gil, Chris, all of them, all of them, all of them. 
or they can get straight into coaching. Don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should have a system where a Windward Islander, a Lewa Islander, a Bajan, a Trini, a Ghanese, a Jamaican, that you got a system that you must put somebody up. Put somebody up. Let a comment. You listen to the radio commentary throughout the, the last two regional games that we play. I don't know if others is listening to it, but be honest. You got some men who don't even know the players. Yeah. No, I mean, and the player, they don't even know the player. And if you do that the first day of a four day match, but fellas, I got numbers on the back. Yeah. You know, but day two of the game, you got to be able to get it right. Yeah. So yeah. I feel that that's where the system now needs to allow people like the Jamal Smiths and these fellas to be a name that you put up there. Mm-hmm. And their fellas got to be like standard, not the, a fellow who used to comment or like the you know, be a club cricket commenter, commentator, and then you put it to do regional cricket. Can't you ain't gonna sell, you ain't gonna sell doing it that way. And that's unfortunate when we do too much in the Caribbean right now. Mm-hmm. A big frames thing. Yep, that's true. Uh, any more questions, guys, before Nero um, steps in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Nero, take it away. All right, on behalf of the guys, I'll let you say thank you. Was it was it was, was a bit overdue? Before you go, um, is there anyone you'd like to see on the show? But you'll have to set us up with the person <laughs> for me. After hearing, I would love to hear it, Professor Hillary. For me, I would like to hear it. <laughs> Professor, he has to be, he has to be a part of the in? history. Huh? No, no, he doesn't have to be a part of it. No, this show, I would, I would, I would like you to, to have Ryan Austin on this show. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what, Ryan Austin, right? Ryan Austin is a Barbadian, but he was born in Trinidad. Made a school foundation, come through these ranks, play club cricket, was successful. Club cricket, play first class, and also play a couple test matches. Mm-hmm. Ryan is now back in Trinidad. He's coaching, he's playing. I think Ryan Austin, but over, I think he has over 250, it could be over 300 first class wickets, will be a really good guest on your show. Yeah, I, I I I second that. I would like to speak to Ryan for sure. Yeah, yeah, he would be. Ryan a, 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 a good guy to talk to, and I I right. could I could work through the, the thing. And once he's available, have it have it organized through you guys. And Mr. Mr. from Trinidad as well. Sorry, Mr. Prahim Prasad is from Trinidad as well. Um, Mr. Prasad is originally from Guyana. Mm-hmm. And he's based in 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 Ontario, Canada, right now. Oh. Yeah, he's in the comments so as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, Leslie, Miss, uh, like Nero said, we just want to thank you for joining us on the show. Um, as like also like Nero said, it's been it's been long overdue because you know we have you in those. We can see you in the comments. We can we out. and uh, yeah, we just want to thank you for for uh for tuning in, man, because. As we can see, you're you're still at the office, so we know that you are. We know that you are a busy man. We know you have a lot on your plate, but you know to see someone of you know your caliber still taking the time out to tune in each and every week, you know, and 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 not only tune in but to share your opinions and you know to be any comments, you know, it really means a lot to us, you know. So, um, like I said, thank, thanks a lot. It really means a lot to us, and we just wanna continue. We just wanna wish you all the best, and you know, we we know that you know you, you have a proven track record, so we know wherever you go, you know you'll do your best, and and you'll be successful. So you know, thank you once again, Stephen, and we wish you all the best going forward. 
gentlemen, thanks for having me and continue the great work. And I just want you guys to aim for the sky each and every time. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it, man. And thank you, viewers, for tuning in. Um, once again, each and every week, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on this video whenever you do get a chance to watch it. Thank you very much, and have a good night. Peace.